Hey, oozes and bunnies. This is a preview of the most recent party planning, an extra podcast that the Join the Party crew makes for our Patreon. If you want to listen to the whole thing, go to patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. Check out this preview. The first thing I thought of was like we're recording a video for our child in case of our death. (laughs) (laughs) Our child, uh, Kirby. Our child, Kirby. Hey, Kirby, uh, this is your dad, Eric, and your mom, Amanda. We love you very much. We love you very much. If you're watching this, we were killed by covert A. The passwords are under the pillow. Uh, That's how I felt for recording. This is like Batman being like, I'm dead. You kids need to take over. I'm sorry. It was the Riddler. Well, it's also because like shit's unfolding around us as we speak. And we're like, okay, we'll record this on Thursday afternoon. But like by the time you're listening to this on Friday morning, something might be different. 24 hours from now, something might be different. So I I understand why that was your reference. Yeah. I just was looking at ourselves and I'm like, oh, this is a will. We're doing a will. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is a overview of what is going on in Dozens and Dragons regarding the open gaming license. Uh, We're dividing this into three parts. Uh, The first being Amanda's going to kind of lay out the finances of Hasbro, the parent company of Wizard of the Coast and Wizard of the Coast itself as a subsidiary. Uh, Oh, no, now it's in the company. Former subsidiary. The former subsidiary. Uh, Basically, if you don't know, if we're going all the way back, Wizard of the Coast bought Dungeons and Dragons from TSR, the company that made the company that was like in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. <laughs> they came up with Dungeons and Dragons that Gary yeah. Gygax founded and ran into the ground. So that that's that whole thing. The second is we're going to talk about the big kerfuffle, and then we're going to talk. The third is the fallout from that, um, and how where we're at now in terms of what the open gate in terms of where we're at with the open gaming license and how this is going to affect people going forward, including us. Yeah, uh, because we're going to touch on how this affects all the people and kind of like the community around Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. It's important to say, join the party of the podcast is in no danger and we're totally fine. And we are, because of my secret finance background and Eric's, you know, intense knowledge of uh, of magic or and wizards and like all of those things um, and following the story, like we're in no danger of going anywhere. So don't be worried. But it's a thing that affects a lot of the industry and it, it's a thing on everybody's minds and there are tons of peers and fans and other creators that are talking about this. And so if you've either seen it on social media and been like, huh, or feel like you need a finance degree to understand why I need this is happening or a law degree, that's by design. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want it to be confusing and be like mm, policies, you know, but it's not. And we have a lot of information from spending the last month basically since like Christmas, yeah. you know, following this essentially full time. Um, so that's what we're here to do. We're touching on some stuff that Amanda and I did on Games and Feelings right before the turn of the year. Yes. Um, where we talked about what is Hasbro doing. This was all the stuff in December, and this is the lead up to that. So we're touching on some of this stuff, uh, but we're going to get into it. Like we're we're doing more and different stuff than we were on the Games and Feelings episode. And we're going to define all this stuff as we go through. Um, also, I I resent 
to myself for calling it a kerfuffle. Uh, the <laughs> open gaming license is draconian and disaster, fucking stupid, yeah. and it's a disaster. So it's a corporate disaster for Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro. Exactly. It could have been a disaster for creators, but communities are good at mobilizing, and people mobilized against it and said, not on our watch. Exactly. So, you know, D&D, as of a couple hours ago, essentially fully rolled back and been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They said that in a PR. A they said in It'll a PR. Fine. Okay, we're going to act. Yeah. We're going to touch on the future and things that will come out after this video is recorded probably at yes. the end of this video um and if you normally listen to this via audio in your podcast app we are going to make the video available to all levels of patrons so we're going to be screen sharing some articles and kind of walking through you know the timeline of this yeah. uh, in screen share so it's not required if you're just listening that's fine but if you haven't watched video versions of party planning before or you want to follow along as we screen share go ahead you can go to patreon uh, or check your email noti and you can get the video version that's right. You'll see the audio version will go to your podcatcher as usual, but you can go on to Patreon and check out yep. the screen share. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to start the screen sharing. Okay. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to start with part one, which is Hasbro is a corporation. See, now I feel like we're is making a 90 minute video, uh, like YouTube video feature. Um, but yes, no, it's a good, it's a good title. So we're, we're going to talk about fast pass after this, but first we're <laughs> going to talk about this. Okay. Kevin perjurer. Kevin a perjurer. Uh, all right. So the first chapter, chapter one, Hasbro is a corporation. Yes. Okay. So let's go back. We can go back all the way back. TSR was bought by Wizards of the Coast um, back in 1999. That was bought by Wizards. Wasn't oh, no, that was earlier. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was, like that was earlier than that. Yeah. In, in, they made a lot of failures in the 70s and 80s and got bought by Wizards of the Coast um, at some point where they were like just like a cool, flashy, Seattle-based yeah. game that made Magic the Gathering. Exactly. So you have to remember, so Magic the Gathering was invented by someone who worked at Wizard of the Coast. Dungeons and Dragons was invented by Gary Gygax, and he started a company called TSR, which stands for something I can't remember, out of Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and then it was bought by the Wizards, bought them because the company was in shambles. In 1999, Hasbro bought Wizards of the Coast. Hasbro, huge gaming manufacturer, uh, one of the industry leaders in uh, making toys, My Little Pony, board games, yes. Monopoly, like all of the shit. Um, and they're a publicly traded company. So unlike Wizards of the Coast, which was not a publicly traded company uh, at the time, we have lots of access to like financial documents and public statements and things that Hasbro says and has to say and report about their assets, mm -hmm. which now, since they bought it in 99 include the company wizards of the coast um which for 22 years until 2021 they ran as a subsidiary meaning wizards was its own company its own legal entity people got paychecks from wizards but in 2021 hasbro reorganized a bunch of stuff and basically doubled down on their investment which they bought wizards for like 300 million dollars plus in 99 um and then they in 2021 doubled down and said no 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 wizards of the coast is now like an imprint of hasbro it's a division of hasbro and mm -hmm. so Wizards employees now get paychecks from Hasbro. And Hasbro is talking a lot more about what they're doing with Wizards and why they're doubling down on it. Yeah. Here's a fun article from Hipsters of the Coast, which <laughs> is great, about how this is kind of folding together. 
Yeah, in a packed so investor event. This this will be very important yeah, for later Hasbro's on. Because Hasbro's public, they have open doors where they're like, "Hi, look how great our company is!" Because they want people to buy their stock because that makes their stock price go up, which means that their owners and officers get more money. Yeah, uh, here we go. Wizards of the Coast did, be, was brought on as a division because they had a massive twenty twenty. You Wonder might why. have understood uh, that D&D had a massive resurgence in uh, because of 5th edition, starting when it came out in late in the late 2010s. But like, you know, people got really into D&D during the pandemic that I, I'm not telling you anything that you yeah. need to know. But look at how much money they made. Eight eight hundred sixteen million dollars in revenue last year. 2020. Yeah, that is 23 percent more than 2019. Exactly. Magic also grew, but not as much as D&D. Um, and it was really impressive. It was close enough to a, they reached in 2021 being a billion dollar business. They were, they made a billion dollars together, Wizards and Magic Gathering. So A, none of us should feel bad for them. And B, uh, it is significantly, like it was earning enough. Like the thing that changed over the 22 years that Hasbro owned Wizards and just was like, do your thing, you're a, a, under our umbrella company, is that they started making a shitload of money. Um, and so Hasbro realized that they could milk more money out of it because that's what you do as a company. Yeah. Okay, let's go forward a year. Oh, before we move on, it's really funny when I'm reading these like business articles about this because they're always like, the Providence, <laughs> Rhode Island-based Hasbro yeah. is dealing with the Seattle-based uh, Wizard of the Coast. I'm like, y'all are in weird places. Yeah, Eric, do you know how when you, um, I don't know how often you do this, but I do it a lot. When you like sign up to get direct deposit from somebody, you have to give the phone number of your bank because in the oh. past they had to be like, hello, bank, I'm having trouble. Is is this person there? Thank you, bank. Uh, and like that doesn't happen. It's like, know the physical address of your bank. It's hilarious. Oh, this is important. Also yes. that the Wizard of the Coast doubled in size. See, when it says the company, do they mean Hasbro? They mean Wizards of the Coast. Oh, okay. So Wizards doubled in size in five years. Their profits grew 400% over the decade. Absolutely yes. wild. And significantly, the other half of that sentence is the then CEO of Hasbro said that Wizards was yep. going to double again in the following five years. Very so again, from Hasbro's Wait, it's 2023 now. Whoa. We're in the future. We are in the future now. Incredible. Um, so Hasbro was like, it's making more money. It's picking up steam. We think it's important. Before it was just like a whatever child that we owned. And now we're like focusing on it. Um, and so this is important because the way Wizards wants you, well, to get into like what they want you to think about what they've been doing over the last couple of months. And the answer is no, they're trying to make as much money as possible because that's what Hasbro is saying they're doing. Yeah, they, all of this is corporation motivated, which brings us to our next thing. Here's what corporations do. They buy other companies. So you might have heard of this company called D&D Beyond. You might have think this is a tool that Wizard of the Coast has created. No, and this is a company that sprung up to allow you to play Dungeons & Dragons online. And Wizard of the Coast are like, I don't want to license anymore. I'm just buying you for $146 million. Yes. Jesus. So companies buy other companies when they can make more money by owning them than they did by working with them in the past. So in the past, Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards of the Coast had a license with D&D Beyond to say like, hey, you can call yourself D&D, you can use our intellectual property, you can, you know, plug in with us in all these ways in exchange for a fee. But when they realize that D&D Beyond is making more money than Wizards is making from D&D Beyond, they just buy them. Um, and that is the strategy. I want to highlight something really quickly. Uh, the people who made D&D Beyond was fandom who has all those like Wikipedia 
type things. Oh, really? All, and just bought, I think, Funko or something. Yeah. They just bought a lot of stuff. They have a lot of money on hand I now. I bet they do. The rest of the company's media assets, they... So, Fandom... No, Fandom bought D&D Beyond from a community tool called Curse, which then got absorbed into Twitch. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, is, my God. This is how it do. And, like, when you start a company, what everyone asks you is, like, oh, what's your exit plan? Like, who are you going to sell to to, like, make a bunch of money and cash out? Um, which, again, like, it's it's fine to sell your company. Like, that's that's cool. But the reason why, like, again, let's look at the numbers. Like, in 1998 dollars, or I don't know what the inflation rate is, but Wizards of the Coast paid half as much as Hasbro paid for them. Mm-hmm. 20 years previous to buy D&D Beyond. You don't do a cash outlay like that unless you have a really specific reason to do it. And hey, because they're a public company and say what they want to do, we know what that is. And you know who says what they want to do all the time? Cynthia Williams! We're going to talk Williams, about her a man. lot, who is currently the president of Wizards of the Coast and is a self-described big old nerd, even though she never played D&D before. Yeah. And the first time she played D&D was when the CEO of hasbro chris, after she became the ceo yeah chris, chris cox she's now like the ceo of the president wizards. Of wizards she's the president of wizards she can't yeah. be a ceo because she's a president of right. their division not a ceo of a company anyway we're gonna come back to her in a second yeah things were not so rosy for hasbro in no. 2022 yes so amanda let's talk about earnings reports okay what what is this newsletter what is this news not it's not a newsletter because i'm looking at cnbc yeah (laughs) what does this mean exactly so when you're a public company that means that you are listed on the stock exchange like imagine it as a big market where any person can go and be like "Ooh, an apple and then buy an apple um (laughs) and the the difference though is that you are spending money for a very very small share of a company. And so you are a very, very small partial owner of Hasbro or GM or, you know, Coca-Cola or whatever. And the government, because like companies could swindle and lie to you. And that's how people made money. The robber barons in like the pre the stock market crash of the 1910s, mm-hmm. um, they could just lie to you. And so because the government wants to, in theory, protect the public a little bit, they make those public companies that are listed on stock exchanges, give like basically a report card to themselves uh, four times a year, every quarter. And then once at the end of the year about the previous year. So the idea is like, hey, if you're going to list yourself on the stock exchange, you have to tell us about like if you're making money who owns you like what your you know directors are like what the risks are if someone if i want to buy put my hard-earned money into a share of whatever they need to be able to tell me hey like there are some risks it's almost like on pharmaceutical commercials where they say it really fast only the version of this is that it's really small font in the middle of like a hundred page report which i eat up like candy i love them so much um and so every quarter the company's report card is called an earnings report where they talk about how much money they made the quarter before and because this happens regularly, there are a bunch of experts and reporters that are like specializing in all the entertainment companies and all the oil companies mm-hmm. or all the flight, you know, airplane companies. And so they're experts and they can say, mm, like Delta says they're doing okay, but that's really not true. Or Hasbro or made this much, but we expected them to make this much. And so when a company does worse than experts expect them to, they yes, miss anal- earnings. Analyst expectations here. Exactly. So an analyst is like, listen, by the way things are going, if they're running their business properly, they should make this much money. And if a company beats expectations, everyone's like, woohoo. And then the stock price goes up because they're like, ooh, this is a sexy stock. I should buy it. Yeah. And if they miss expectations, the stock goes down. And so the last fucking thing a company or a corporate you know, employee ever wants to do is miss earnings expectations because that means that something went wrong that the company didn't plan for and that makes them look bad. Yeah. 
Uh, shares closed down at hitting a new 52-week low, exactly. which uh, we all know is bad. This quote from Chris Cox. Chris Cox, that's he, really his name. He's having a tough time. This is going to be important later. They had a really tough 2022, but they benefited from film releases. Can we let's put a pin in that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's put a pin in that. And of course, they get to blame inflation. And so they say things like, "No, no, no! You real people out there, you're sensitive to prices. You real people out there, you need sales to buy toys, and that's why we didn't make enough money." But mm-hmm. they're experts. They're in the toy business. They should be able to to understand that like people don't spend a lot of money going up to the holiday season because they're saving money for the holiday season. Like these are things that are known that people should be able to predict. And so when the company it's like it's showing it's showing a big mistake um, when they miss earnings. And so they say all kinds of things. They can't lie, but they can misdirect and they can say, like, as you know, inflation. But then analysts are like, "Um, inflation isn't as bad as your loss was. So, like, what's the deal? Right. That's why everyone's blaming Joe Biden. Exactly. Who's so, uh, not perfect, but he, he's not controlling the economy. No. And so in, in you know, October, I think late October, they say like, oopsie doodle, our third quarter was not that good. My bad. And their stock started going down. Okay. So now because of this, Bank of America decided uh, you're doing a bad job and I'm going to tell people about yeah. this. This I'm so glad we have you here for this, Amanda, because <laughs> this is explicitly what you used to do. Yes. Uh, I also want to point out we've now jumped from October 2022 to November 2022. Yes. So uh, I, my guess is that after Hasbro um, missed their earnings target and everyone's like, oh, and then the stock price starts going down, uh, basically investment banks keep teams of reporters, um, they're called financial analysts uh, on staff. And they have, like I was saying earlier, you know, a few people dedicated to oil, a few people dedicated to airlines, a few people dedicated to entertainment and media. And so those people work for an investment bank and they publish reports for the bank itself and its employees and also its investors. If you have, you know, you're a like controller of the like New Jersey Fireman's Pension Fund, you get these kinds of PDFs, that's a real thing. Don't knock pension funds, they're incredibly powerful no i know i know um, it's just funny i uh, know it is very funny i'm like oh the teachers you need this year excellent like yeah um <laughs> but uh they so they report whether basically they're saying like hey if if i am a customer of bank of america and i say oh i want to i want to like buy some stocks which ones are good <laughs> you know they're trying to tell me if it's worthwhile to buy a stock because the price of the stock is less than what it should be people don't see that this company's gonna do better in the future they think mm-hmm. and so you should buy it now because it's gonna grow if you should hold like if you own it great if you don't own it yet meh don't get in it's not a good deal it's probably priced pretty close to what it should be therefore it's not like a good time it's not like on sale it's not a good time to get it neutral yeah don't do don't do anything or they're gonna be like "Mm, get rid of this i'm out get Get rid rid of of this never buy it sell yeah some places call it different things buy hold sell um bank of america has like its own rating system and so whenever a bank changes its opinion and says like listen we used to tell you you should be buying delta but now we think you should hold on it or hey we used to say you should hold on it or neutral on it but now we're saying buy like it's a good time to buy it's a big deal and you know it moves the stock market people listen to what they say and then the share price goes up or down um accordingly it's like news breaking like oh you know don't go to mcdonald's for this reason people stop going to mcdonald's like it you know the people who buy stocks are like scared cats or or sheep in a way and they follow what the trends are telling them and so what's very rare i want you to understand is for a company a bank to say we used to say you should buy it. In fact, you should sell it. 
They're mm -hmm. skipping a whole step in the middle there, which is neutral. It looks bad for the bank to be like, yesterday we were telling you to buy it, today we're telling you to sell it. That's an extreme reversal and it has real side effects for the stock market. Yeah, so this is exactly what happened. This guy, Jason Haas and his assistants, shout out to those assistants who he definitely wrote it. two women thing. analysts who definitely actually wrote yeah. it, yeah. So he's focusing on like Magic the Gathering specifically. He says, he might have like heard this from his like son or his son's friends or a nephew or something. Yeah. But he's saying that like not only is Hasbro doing badly, maybe as triggered by remember what happened last month, the third quarter reports, but also this thing about magic cards, they're making too many of them, which if you talk to anyone who does this, such as Misha, who plays the game like Misha Stanton, they'll tell you, yeah, fucking cards all the time. Yeah. They're undervaluing the whole entire premise of Magic the Gathering of a card game. Which is, um, if I understand it correctly, you got to get the cards you want because they're not going to be made forever. Right. Like you so, can't go to a vending machine and get the card you need. Because, That's why they get expensive. Well, it's not only for competitive reasons because it's a game. It's also for collecting reasons. So if there are too many rare cards or you're, you're trying to get everything, people are going to run out of money and it's not going to be fun. So now this is what this guy, Jason Haas and his team, are is saying on top of some of the other stuff. They, this set... There's like a 30th anniversary set that's coming out that will devalue many high-value cards. He thinks that like this is about the black market and stuff. It's kind of complicated, but the big deal is that a bank said, Hasbro, you're doing a bad job. Right. Not just, hey, they're doing bad things with their Magic the Gathering asset, but they are doing such a bad job, and we are so worried about the direction they're taking that we're going from suggesting you buy the stock to suggesting you sell it. They're skipping a step, they're passing go, they're yeah. saying get the fuck out of there because Hasbro's doing a bad job. Yeah. My brother works in finance and he gets the stuff from just like the uh, what would you call Bloomberg? Like the program? It's, like the, it's like the press wire. Yeah, he, yeah. he has like a business press wire and he sent us the this thing. He's jacked it's, to the mainframe. It's really funny. Jason sent his assistants to take photos of Magic the Gathering in targets so again you can <laughs> so like funny. they're so they're they're basically they're like super accountants who are also reporters and so when i worked in that division i liked these people a lot because they are fucking nerds who can also write it's really interesting yeah. so you and we so, saw them go to different yeah, targets they so took they photos in different targets Katie in and Jessica New York. to so target funny. to be like you know because one it's relevant it's relevant it's like hey if you go to a bunch of cheesecake factories all over the country are they empty are they full like are, yeah. is the food good like are the employees happy like all of this is really relevant and it's relevant too to companies to say hey you know major like um hasbro relies on retail chains like target and local game stores to get their cards into the hands of people and if target is like uh no one's fucking buying these things i'm not going to stock them that has a real impact on how many cards they can sell but yeah. target's not going to tell you that pr for target has no fucking idea slash don't want to talk to you so they send katie and jessica to target so funny to just taking photos of targets in new york city I know. and like it saw there were like 12 different sets and there were a lot of them so there were a lot of them and no one was buying them is i don't know how much i I agree with like this thing but the fact of it is a real big is a real big deal yeah the also thing to point out is like because these reports move the stock market yes. uh banks care like banks don't care about some things they care fucking a lot about the conclusions they make in these reports when i worked at jp morgan and there was a whole team of like as many there were probably a third as many like lawyers in charge of reading these reports before they go out to make sure mm. all the things they're saying are true and provable then there are analysts um so it's not like they can just publish whatever they like like there is a real vetting process for these reports so i like it is important and it's a significant thing to go out there and the headline was like 
Hasbro fumbles the ball. Like it, it was really like. I mean, you can see this is on Kotaku, which is a video game, uh, which is a video game outlet. But like this was all over business news. Yes, and people didn't know what it meant, but it was still like a. I know what it means. Other than Amanda, Eric was like, "Oh, look, Amanda, finish it," and then go a double downgrade. Like I was was like, (laughs) pushing people out of the way. (laughs) Okay, so let's go forward. All right, this is November fourteenth. Hasbro gets embarrassed by the financial press. Okay, now we're here on December 9th. I don't want to zoom in too much. Now we're here on December 9th. Dungeons and Dragons executives thinks the brand is really under monetized. Jesus Christ. All right, so the reason why this happened is that there was an investor-focused web seminar, quote-unquote, a fireside chat. So, which, uh, Hold on. There was a fireside chat, which you can get on the Hasbro right, it's website. It's yeah. public. I will include the link. I'm going to put the link to all of these articles in the episode description of this thing. Uh, so you can listen to it if you want. It sucks. Uh, we also got a transcript from my brother. Yes. So that we can actually, so that we they can actually look at it. They have a worse transcript, but yeah, we got a better one. We got it like a real transcript from like a business yeah. company that made this. Okay. So this whole web seminar was about how the Bank of America thing was wrong. They didn't say that, but it's true. But they were alluding like, hey, don't worry. I don't know who's saying these things. And they basically took all the time to refute everything we just said that Bank of America said that like, no, we're not devaluing magic cards. Uh, We don't care about the black market for reselling. It just doesn't really matter. But then in the last third of the call, they started talking about Dungeons and Dragons a little bit. And that's when our ears perked up. And you'll see how this is setting the table for everything else. Yeah. So, you know, Again, November 14th, uh, this this report comes out and people at Hasbro, like the red phone rings and they're like, oh, no. And then they check their watch. They're like, mm, OK, Thanksgiving's in 10 days. But him. you know what's it's a great time for a fireside chat. Like they don't have them just for fun. They have them to refute bad PR for themselves. So this yeah. is this is, you know, anyone, anyone with any kind of knowledge can tell you yeah. like this is 100 percent a reply to that report being like, um, actually, we have a lot more money we can make. with It was things. also like at an event. It was like sponsored by you. UBS. So it was like at a thing. So yeah, that so they that they in after yeah. they're like, okay, we can't do this during Thanksgiving. We're gonna do this right in the holiday yes. season, which I think is wild. Yeah. Anyway, we're gonna stop talking about the fucking gossip. This doesn't yeah. matter because we're moving into the D D portion. Yes. Is that remember Cynthia Williams from before? She said D D has never been more popular, and we have really great fans and engagement, but the brand is really under monetized. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, a president said you're under monetized. Oh, 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 yes, this is it's this shit is wild. They are trying to solve this corporate conundrum. Much of this relies on D&D Beyond, the company they acquired for a hu- almost $150 million last year. Yeah. And how it's tied into the next phase of D&D, alluding to one D&D, which is like the weird games as service edition mm-hmm. that is going to be the future of Dungeons and Dragons fucking weird this only gets weirder unless you do you have something before i move on uh i mean the like she says explicitly that you see that how right above the part that you highlighted that yeah. like they bought D beyond oh, right. because they want your data about what tools you use what your notes say what modules you use what spells and what subclasses are interesting to you so that they can make their so they can make more shit that you want to buy um and so it's not like for fun because they like ought to own the tool because it makes sense no they are buying it because they want user data because they they don't know what we do at home right um and they want that to like make more money for themselves yeah it gets weirder here so it's also important to note cynthia williams worked at amazon 
and uh, Microsoft before this. Mm -hmm. So she's like into the money making business and the video game business. And like, I don't think that she knows D&D that well. There's this weird thing about how like dungeon masters are only 20% of the D&D player base, but they the one making up paying for everything. So like, I don't know where this came from. Yeah, your DM buys the book, shares it with all of you. And I guess there's an average four player table. And that's what they're worried about. And they're trying to get everyone to spend money on things, which is not how the game works. Well, the previous CEO of Wizards of the Coast did like their first user survey ever um, of Magic the Gathering and D&D users oh, like right. maybe three years ago. They were like in, in this fireside chat, they're like, yeah, we used to have no idea who bought our products, but now we do, which like you should know who's buying your products. That's bad. Um, but yeah. also that like, I think they probably had a very small sample size and said like, oh, there's, you know, on average, like we surveyed 2000 people and most of them say they have an average of like four players at their table and right. one DM. So that's how they got this number and said, you know, oh, if you're a DM versus a player, how much money are you spending? How many books have you bought? Like to a certain extent, that makes sense. But the dark side of it here is that they're saying that investing in digital, investing in D&D yes. Beyond, making Dungeons and Dragons a thing you have to pay like $10 a month for instead of something you buy in a book one time. Um, like you which they're already editions, doing, which right? I want to point out they're already doing. You, you, when D&D Beyond is separate from the books, so you don't get like a digital copy, you got to buy it on D&D Beyond as yes. well as having the book. So they're already doing that. Yeah, no, they are. Um, and they explicitly like this is the quote here is they want to unlock the type of recurrent spending you see in digital games. It's a no, it's like Fortnite. It's of every apparently D&D is getting a battle pass, which is wild. Yeah. Or like I spend $5 on Pokemon Go every, you know, like twice a year to do certain events that are paid. And that is their holy grail. That's what they want. They would rather get $5 from me once a month to have access to the service as a player than $50 from Eric, you know, once a year or the first time he starts DMing yeah. ever. And so, you know, again, that's not like an evil thing to want to make money from your player base, but they're explicitly saying that they're pivoting their um, strategy, both for Magic the Gathering and Wizards of the Coast, to do like less good stuff for the general audience. Mm -hmm. um, this is super true in Magic the Gathering, where they're like, yeah, some people collect stuff, but most people just play a little bit. And we want to make, we want to get some money from more people than a lot of money from our dedicated fans. Yeah, uh, you can see how this is shifting. Also, by trying to turn D&D into a four-quadrant brand, similar to Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, they just said that, hey, wasn't the good thing that happened in Q3 was those movies? Well, just like the D&D movie that's coming out in March 2023. They are seem really invested in it. This also then is demonstrated that the, the executives view Dungeons & Dragons as like, intellectual property like lord of the rings and harry potter a story that can be remixed and remade and have prequels and sequels everything we're seeing in streaming and in video right now but like dnd is a game it doesn't have a story it's inherently a pastiche of like fantasy tropes and they're not going to use the story set in the set the quote-unquote stories in their settings like this isn't going to be like we're making the eberron movie <laughs> that doesn't make sense because no one knows what that is yeah. outside of their core player base who's already spending money so this is this is foretelling uh weird things to come yeah like imagine if hasbro was like yeah we're gonna start the monopoly cinematic universe it's like with what like what yeah. you're gonna like make the little guys into characters like i don't care about them i care about playing the game in my own house with a 
board set I bought once 20 years ago. Yeah, it's it's really weird. He, this is a really good unspoken but heavily implied in the conversation was the hope that Honor Among Thieves will act as the foundation for more entertainment like Marvel. Oh, shout out to Dicebreaker. Y'all, yeah. y'all have the best. Y'all have no, such good, good analysis. Okay, so now we're going to pop. Let's let's fast forward and go to the end of end of December 2020. Wizard of the Coast has been poking around and poking around and being like, hey, do you guys um like third-party content? Do you want that on Dean Beyond? And everyone's like, Yes. Why are you asking this? This is weird. So these rumors have been going around saying that the open gaming license is going to be changed for 5th edition and then for 1D&D going forward. The open gaming license, listen, we're not lawyers. This has been a real opportunity for people who are lawyers or pretend to be lawyers to say some shit. So I'm going to give you the most basic understanding of this. The open gaming license was established in 2000. Right after the acquisition. Right after the acquisition, which allowed people to make third-party content and sell it. These are the people who make like new adventures, who come up with items, who uh, can make new, like a whole homebrew class, classes, homebrew classes, and then and sell it, and sell it in various places, like you do, for example, in No Capes. It's like, hey, if you yes, want to exactly. use Five E as a way to power a superhero story, this is how you do it. You put a ton of time, effort, and like intellectual property into making that, and it's you know referencing and compatible with Dungeons and Dragons, but you're not saying like, hey, here's my fan fiction about the D and D guy. Like it's it's different because yes. there's no D and D guy. He doesn't exist. That's what's complicated. The thing what they do own is called the SRD. I don't remember what it stands for, but it's basically the rules. It's the rules of Dungeons and Dragons. Like they own, theoretically, they own like the light cantrip, you know, mm-hmm. and the bill and the rule of what that is. Um, of course, this gets a little murky because it is just a pastiche of of genres, so they don't own like stuff necessarily. But that that's that's what makes this whole thing murky. Yeah, it's almost like a patent, like, uh, you know, a uh, uh, engineering company that invents like a way to distill water uh, owns the like way that the parts should fit together. They own the idea. Exactly. But that's not what D&D is claiming. No, they don't own the idea. They own the parts. They don't own the, you can't own the idea of filtering water, but you can own the way that this is put together. And that's like what Dungeons and Dragons is. You You. can't own the experience, but you can't own the specific rule set that this is. Okay, so this was going around. I had heard from third-party people who I'm in touch with in the D&D community that, like, they, Wizards of the Coast has reached out to them and showed them the new OGL, which we're going to call OGL 1.1 going forward. And it fucking sucked. (laughs) That was great. My favorite part was the accent work. If you like that, you got to hear the rest of party planning by joining the Patreon at patreon.com slash Join the party pod.